You're listening to Street Speak, the podcast answering your burning questions about poverty and homelessness. This podcast is created by the same people who bring you the Street Sheet, San Francisco's street newspaper. Our annual April Fool's Day issue hits the streets of San Francisco today, and it is full of comics that were compiled and submitted by ABO Comics, a collective of creators and activists work to amplify the voices of LGBTQ prisoners through art. On today's episode, we speak with Casper Sandra, the director and a co-founder of ABO Comics. Hello, my name is Casper. Um, I am the director and co-founder of ABO Comics, which is an abolitionist publishing collective dedicated to amplifying the voices of LGBT prisoners. Uh, We started in 2017 and did a comic anthology featuring queer artists on the inside. And now we're in our fifth year. We just published our fifth annual comic anthology of queer prisoner artwork. And we're delving into all sorts of different projects now. We have started sending out a monthly newsletter to all of our contributors on the insides. We've got a mailing list of several hundred people now uh, who we regularly send updates and resources and art and poetry and all sorts of stuff in a newsletter. We're starting up a podcast called Telaway 411, which will feature long-form interviews with our incarcerated contributors. And we're branching out into publishing as many books as we can. So just getting as many stories out there into the universe of uh, folks' memoirs, their poetry, their graphic novels, comics, research manuscripts, basically whatever people want to publish. We're just trying to eliminate gatekeeping a little bit from the industry and help people get their voices out there. Thank you. Um, And I'm curious as a like what drew you initially to comics? Because something that like really jumps out when you're going through the anthologies is that um, there's a lot of lighthearted content um, and also a lot of devastating content, which like maybe falls outside of like people's assumptions about what comics as an art form are. Um, Could you speak a little bit about why comics? Sure. I wasn't super into comics actually when we started up this project I had really enjoyed some when I was in high school I went to comic-con every year I was really immersed kind of into that world but I had never made a comic before it wasn't something I was super familiar with but my other co-founders were very big in the comic industry and Um, I was more on the activist side doing prisoner advocacy work, and I got really into the sort of zine culture of the Bay Area when I first moved up here into 2017. It overlapped a whole lot with sort of like the LGBT culture in the Bay Area. So I found myself at zine festivals a lot, uh, meeting creators um, in the Bay Area. And so my friends who were really big into comics noticed that a lot of my inside uh, pen pals were really big into art. So we just kind of went and branched the two together and I fell in love with comics as a medium for storytelling. Um, I had recognized previously how incredible it can be to link visual imagery with either poetry or storytelling or something like that and how impactful it can be. But I didn't really, it didn't really resonate with me until maybe a year after we started doing this project. 
how beautiful the medium really is in expressing people's truths and uh, their experiences. So why comics? Um, I think it was just kind of a little bit of a happy accident between the friend group that I had and the advocacy side at the time, but it's grown on me so much that I realize it's probably the best medium we could have ever picked to try and work with people inside prison to help them express themselves, tell their stories, um, and have like a really good time doing it because it, you know, it branches together so many different art forms and um, it lets people try so many different things in one storytelling device that I feel like people are are gaining so many different skills at once. They're trying so many different things. Um, And it's obviously put out so much incredible work in the last five years that um, I don't know, it just kind of ended up being like the perfect mesh of of things so I'm just I'm really excited that that happy accident came to be yeah that's wonderful um something that I feel like is a big overlap between the work we do at Street Sheet and the work that you're doing is like this um what you said about uh supporting folks and expressing themselves and telling their stories um why does it feel important to you that folks inside prisons have the ability to express themselves and communicate and um how do you see that fitting into sort of more of the organizing work that you had been involved in before well prisons in a lot of ways are so isolated from the rest of the world, whether that be kind of in a physical space. Uh, A lot of prisons are definitely set apart from like bigger cities, set in rural areas, physically apart from um, other parts of society. But then also they're so isolated in just the fact that communication is really difficult. A lot of people lose contact with friends and family when they're incarcerated. Incarcerated, um, they lose the ability to communicate in any sort of effective way because they're limited oftentimes to just simple letter writing. Um, and if they don't have the capacity or the means to acquire stamps and paper and all of that stuff inside prison, basically they are just completely shut in this own little universe. And um, I think so often when we're talking about prisons and prison life. Um, It is about people on the inside without actually including them in the conversation. And so I think it's really important if we're doing something like storytelling or if we're doing something like acquiring information about the reality of something like prison life that we actually have to include the people who are experiencing it in the conversation. And I think so often that's overlooked, unfortunately. So centering the people who are really experiencing this and what they're actually going through and what they want to say about their own experiences um, is something that's really important and integral to our mission. I don't want to speak on anybody else's behalf. I don't want to assume what they're going through or how they feel about things. So letting people actually have the platform to speak their true experiences, whether that counters the sort of common narrative or whether that uh, enhances it, you know, it's just, I think it's really important to just let people say what they really think and what they really believe and what is the most helpful for them on the inside. So that's why we kind of just let people have 
complete free reign over their artistic practice. I don't do a whole lot of heavy editing of people's work. Um, if they ask me to, I'll do grammatical edits or things like that. If they want me to do some editing, I'm happy to work with them on that. But for the most part, I just let people create whatever they want to create and then just try and get that out into the world for people to see. Um, a lot of people inside prisons, uh, you know, there's a lot of gatekeeping in the publishing industry because things have to be sort of, quote, perfect to be able to be published. You know, they have to be grammatically perfect. Uh, they have to have like a good story arc, good art, you know, objectively or subjectively, whatever you want to say. Um, they're their practice has to be up to a certain level for a lot of publishers to take it on. So I don't want that to be the case with ABO Comics. You know, I want people of all artistic levels to be able to practice something and to share their stories, however they want to, however they want to share it. Yeah, that's, that's really wonderful. I'm, I'm curious, um, cause I know the last time we talked there were, you were sort of, um, central to a lot of the relationships and holding a lot of relationships with people inside. Um, and I'm curious if you have a team now that um, are holding some of those relationships or um, also just if there are any um, connections that you've made with folks inside that you want to speak about, um, like how how have your relationships with people inside changed you is another thing I'm curious about. Yeah, um, when ABO Comics started, it was about 20 inside artists that we corresponded with on the regular. Um, that was, it was like the initial first 20 from our call for submissions advertisement in 2017. And since then, it's grown to almost 300 artists that we're in contact with regularly. So we receive hundreds of letters a month. Um, and that's been something that has been consistently really difficult to keep up with, even though I'm really excited to say that, you know, over the last uh, year or so, we brought on our first employee, our first empl paid employee, which is the most exciting thing um, that you know, I've ever experienced in a job like this, is to be able to bring somebody on into this work and I'm hoping that we'll grow and expand some more and we have about 10 really beautiful dedicated volunteers to help us out but the work is still so overwhelming there are so many people in prison who just really need somebody to reach out to or an outlet or something so there are so few advocacy organizations I feel who really actually respond to people in prison like without maybe just a template which is something that has been expressed by so many of our inside contributors as why they write to us kind of because we try to send individual personalized responses back to everybody as much as we can we try to help out with whatever we can and we try to amplify the voices of as many people in prison as we can um but we definitely center those sort of like human relationships as the focus of ABO comics. So it's definitely community building, it's friendship building and every single person who writes to us is very important. And we welcome them kind of into this like ABO comics family and try to foster those relationships so that people know they have somebody to reach out to 
if need be, if there's a crisis or they have somebody to reach out to with good news, um, you know, somewhere to write if they're coming home and they're just really excited or if they need resources or something like that. So we, we try to foster these relationships with every single person who writes with us, but that can get really overwhelming considering we're a very small team. Um, some of, some of the friendships that we've crafted though with folks in prison have absolutely been the most beautiful relationships. Um, some of the most beautiful that I've ever had in my life. And they are definitely my best friends. They're like my core family structure. And I'm really excited for a lot of them to be coming home within the next couple of years and hopefully be able to, at that point, welcome them into the outside ABO Comics family as volunteers or as staff or whatever level they want to participate in or just friends, you know, lifelong friends. And now we'll take a quick break for the weather. Today's weather report is brought to you by Mia Pixley. Mia Pixley uses her cello, voice, and music performance to study and represent aspects of the self and other, community, and the natural world. Protectively whimsical and simultaneously melancholic, Mia's music gravitates towards the beauty hidden in sorrow, pain, and loss, and this beauty's potential to inspire curiosity, wonder, rebirth, and reconnection to ourselves, each other, and the natural world. This is Good Taste off her album, Margaret in the Wild. Got a good taste in my mouth You know exactly how it got there It was a sweet peach in my garden I did it with my own two hands I said I got a good taste in my mouth You know exactly how it got there No, I wasn't sitting pretty Got this good taste from getting dirty Good days, good days, 
Like the magic you just heard? You can see Mia Pixley perform live at Cesar Chavez Memorial Solon Calendar in Berkeley on April 16th at 6 p.m. To find her music and learn about upcoming shows, visit miapixley.com, spelled M-I-A-P-I-X-L-E-Y. Now back to the episode. Just to like draw on this connection a little bit too, um, because we we also get some submissions at Street Sheet from folks inside, um, and also many of our contributors are formerly incarcerated as well. I'm curious if you have thoughts on like the relationship between homelessness and incarceration, um, and just like what is it like for people when they come home, um, and what does that what does that look like for the folks that you've worked with? Sure. I don't have a whole lot of data on folks who had experienced homelessness prior to their incarceration, but I do know that a lot of people who are returning home from prison, it is kind of a constant thing that they face. A lot of people coming home, unfortunately, have lost contact with friends and family, or they don't have a strong support system in place coming home. Oftentimes, people you know, don't have a job lined up, a house lined up, something like that, even though technically that's supposed to be part of the parole system. A lot of times it's, it's just very difficult for people returning home. And so some of our contributors, we've only had a couple come home in the last couple of years, but have been out on the streets um, almost immediately. And So something we try to do is when we know people are coming home, we do a bunch of re-entry support. We'll do fundraising. We'll make sure that they have a hotel lined up for a couple days after they are able to come home. Um, We try and provide as many resources and like phone numbers, places to go as we can for people, but it can be really, really difficult. Um, I think you know, it's pretty much common knowledge that the recidivism rate is so absurdly high um, because folks coming home just, it, it, you know, it's almost impossible for them to succeed. Unfortunately, there's so much stigma. It can be really difficult if they haven't acquired any sort of like job skills or education on the inside to sort of just reintegrate. And so a lot of people find themselves back on the streets and just kind of doing what they need to survive, unfortunately. And then, you know, I've had a couple of friends come home and a few of them pretty much just go right back into the system, unfortunately, because there's some sort of, you know, arbitrary parole violation, or they weren't able to make it to a meeting on time or something because of financial barrier, and then just, you know, right back into prison, unfortunately. So it's really sad to see that there's not a ton of support for people coming home who, even if you kind of take the idea of, like, well, prisons are supposed to be the rehabilitative process. So then once they come home, they've, quote, paid their debt to society or whatever. But still, it's like, you know, people should, I would think, be welcomed back into our communities and met with support and care. Um, And unfortunately, that's not the case. So I can't speak too much as to like, 
what the criminality is of people experiencing homelessness and and what how that affects people going into the system i'm sure it definitely does but i can definitely see people who are coming home from prison are experiencing homelessness at a very high rate thanks for that um that perspective um and i'm curious about uh what what made you decide for this to be like a queer centered project um, as well? Because that is something that's so unique about ABO is that it really um, is centering not just folks uh, who are incarcerated, but specifically queer and trans people who are incarcerated. Um, how, how, does, how do you think that um, changes the stories and reflections that you're seeing from folks inside? And um, how, how do you feel like queer and transness maybe is criminalized or um, overlaps with uh, the incarcerated folks that you're working with? Well, it is a very sort of niche project. Um, I, I got my start in prisoner advocacy work with Black and Pink, who for folks who don't know is a LGBT centered organization that works with people in prison to try and link up queer, trans, and HIV positive prisoners with free world pen pals. So I was on the leadership team with them for quite a while before ABO Comics came into existence. And again, the primary focus was working with incarcerated LGBT people and myself being queer and transgender that, you know, that very much resonated with me um, at the time, I felt like queerness and uh, trans folks were heavily criminalized, and I still see that so much within the prison system. We're a smaller percentage of the population, but um, there are unfortunately so, so many queer and trans people on the inside I've seen in the last couple of years that have just reached out to us, found our contact information, been like, I didn't know something like this could exist, but it now makes me feel like I have a community um, and I have a family. Um, so yeah, I think it was just, it was very personal for me and my lived experience to connect with other people who were kind of in, you know, a similar similar mindset, similar situation sort of thing. And it's since branched out into like so many different things that I, I, I don't know. It's just, you know, in some ways it's almost like I live in this microcosm little bubble of like queerness. That's my entire life. And sometimes I forget that's not the rest of the world. Um, but it's just people who had become sort of my chosen family and who had really affirmed me in my transition and had really affirmed me in my identity and people I just connected with on a, on a very deep human level, I guess. So that's how that sort of came to be. Uh, I didn't mean it in a way that would ever isolate other people from being our friends or anything like that. We actually get a lot of letters from people who are not LGBT in the system, but who, who want to connect with us. They like the work we do, who are allied, who are like, I've got a lot of queer friends and I think this is awesome. I just want to tell you, y'all are doing great work and we're happy to correspond with them and bring them into the family as well. And it's just all about kind of network building and not so much like exclusivity, like you can only correspond with us if you're queer or trans, but it's sort of like, you know, uplift 
uplifting people who have been historically kind of suppressed and then bringing more and more people into it in sort of just like a, you know, lovey-dovey sort of hippie way. <laughs> that's so beautiful. Um, great. Well, that's that's all, all my questions about the work. Um, I want to leave some space for you to talk about anything that I didn't ask about. And then also um, just to hype the anthology once more, um, if you could tell folks like how how we buy it, how, um, how to send you money, like uh, what do we do to like support ABO Comics? Because I know everybody listening will want to. Awesome. Thank you so much. I, it's so great to be able to see you and to get to chat with you again. Um, yeah, how to support. You can go to our website, which is just abocomix.com. Uh, we have a ton of ways on there. We have a Patreon that people can go to, patreon.com slash abocomics. And that has different tiers uh, where, you know, you can subscribe and you can get a shout out in our podcast or you can get merch or art or all sorts of things. Um, we are always looking for more volunteers because hundreds of people inside write us and we only have at any given time about two to three people to respond. So that's something that's really helpful. We try to help people financially as much as possible. So we'll send out regular commissary donations so people can access food, clothing, gender affirming items, art supplies, medical care, you know, legal counsel, all sorts of stuff. So it, if you've got like a dollar a month to spare, that can help somebody buy a couple packets of ramen at commissary. So that's super, super helpful. Um, basically like any sort of skill set, anything that you know, people could do or have ideas about is super welcome. We definitely need more people helping out. So we'd be absolutely ecstatic to have anybody and everybody on the team. And um, yeah, so the fifth anthology can be purchased on our website. Again, that's just abocomics.com along with all of our other publications. We put out, I think, like eight books last year by solo artists in prison. So we have, you know, again, graphic novels and comics. We're working on a poetry book. We have a book about Ouija boards. <laughs> um, we have, uh, you know, just a ton of different styles of comics. So whatever you're interested in, I'm sure we have something. We've got another 10 books on the agenda to publish this year, along with the annual comic anthology. And this year's theme is going to be dreams. So people are going to be writing a lot about, uh, well, writing and drawing a lot about either their actual dreams inside prison or their aspirations or anything that speaks to that theme. So I'm really excited about that one. Um, but yeah, plenty of ways to get plugged in. You can also just send us an email, abocomics at gmail.com or send us a message on our website. You just heard from Kaspa Sandra, co-founder and director of ABO Comics, a project dedicated to supporting queer and trans artists in prison and creating a world beyond our carceral system. Check out the episode notes for more information on where to buy the latest comic anthology, donate to this amazing program, or volunteer with ABO Comics. To hear your burning questions about poverty and homelessness answered on our show, visit our website at streetsheet.org and fill out the form on our podcast page. Thanks for listening.